Today's sermon title is Stronghold of Comparison. Stronghold of Comparison. Um, And I want to start with a story. So, once upon a time, there was a crow. And this crow was happy with his life. He flew around, he was free, and he enjoyed uh, his, his life. He, he said to himself, you know what? I am truly the happiest bird alive. And then one day as he sat on a tree, he saw a swan. And he's like, wow. Look at that majestic, elegant bird. You look, look how beautiful that bird is. Truly, that bird is the happiest bird alive. So he goes over to the swan, and he's like, listen, I just want to, you know, kick it with you real quick and say, listen, I, I was happy with my life until I realized that you were probably the happiest bird because you have all this beauty and elegance. And the swan was like, you know what? Not funny you say that because I was just feeling like I was the happiest bird in the world. In the world. Like, I, I really felt that I was so happy. And it's funny how, you know, we're talking about this right now, but I was happy until I saw that bird over there. He, he points up, and, and, and the crow looks up and sees a parrot. Yo, man, that bird is so beautiful. I only have one color. I'm only white, but that bird has, like, mo- uh, two colors, and it can talk. Ah, yo, I mean, I, you know what? That bird is probably the happiest bird in the world. And so the crow was like, um, yeah, you're probably right. And he left them, and he goes to the parrot. And he's like, hey, I wanted to say that, that I just wanted to talk to you because you're probably the happiest bird in the world, right? Um, you know, you have, you have a couple colors. They're really bright. They stick out. Everybody sees it. You know, it's awesome. And the parrot says, you know, funny you mentioned that because I thought that I was the happiest. I thought I was the most beautiful. I thought these things until I noticed the peacock. And that peacock has more, a lot of colors. I only have like two or three. But that one has, it's, it's a spectrum of colors. And not only that, people gather from all over the place to look at him. So he says, you know what? You're right. And the crow says, yeah, you know, I'm going to go talk to the peacock. So he goes to visit the peacock, but the peacock is in a, in a, in a, in a, um, a cage in the, in the zoo. And there's hundreds of people around. He says, you know, let me just hang off and wait a little bit. So when the people left, he goes to the peacock. He says, listen, I thought at first that I was the happiest. Then I realized the swan must be the happiest. Then we realized together that it was the parrot. And then the three of us together realized that you must be the happiest. I mean, look at all the colors you have. Look at all the attention you get. Hundreds of people a day gather just to look at you. And the peacock kind of shrugs his shoulders, if birds have a shoulder. Do peacocks have shoulders? <laughs> Peacock shrugged his shoulders, kind of looked down, kicked around a little bit, and said, you know what, crow? It's weird that you are telling me this, because just before you got here, as the people began to leave, I looked around the entire zoo and realized that the crow is the only bird not imprisoned, not encaged. You know, you can just fly to wherever you want. You have the liberty to go where the, where the wind takes you. And I don't. Truly, you must be the happiest bird in the world. 
You know, the thing is, I tell you this story, that, which I did not make up, just in case. Um, I tell you the story because this is our problem. This is our problem, too. We make unnecessary comparisons with other people. We compare ourselves to others. And um, when we do that, we actually become unhappy with what God has given us. We're unhappy with who we are. We're unhappy with our, 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 our body types. We're unhappy with our finances. We're unhappy with what we have when we compare ourselves to someone else. You know, um, there's always going to be somebody that has more than you, and there will always be somebody that has less than you. That's just how it's always going to be. It's just always going to be like that. But until you're satisfied with what you have, you can't be content. You can't. And we're going to talk about this today just uh, in a little more detail about just the stronghold of comparison and what comparison does to our lives, how it affects our lives, the danger of comparison in our lives. And I want to begin with starting off with 1 Samuel chapter 18, six, verses 6 to 9. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 6 through 9, and it says this. Now it had happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women had come out of all the city of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines and joy and with musical instruments. And the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain thousands and David his tens of thousands. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Does that sound like comparison? Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So saw I David from that day forward. All right, if you're not an OT junkie like me, let me tell you what's going on. Uh, we know the famous story of uh, David and Goliath, but before that, Saul becomes king of Israel. It's the first king Israel ever had. And um, then Saul takes the throne, and one of the first things he does is he releases like this military campaign. So if you guys see, Saul becomes king, and he goes buck wild, like, hey, you, you're going to get it, you're going to get it, you're going to get it. And he, he lifts up an army, and he handles all of his surrounding threats. He does. He does. So what happens is he's doing that. David, um, the Philistines, they, they come up, and, and, and they, they kind of raise up again. This time they show up with this big dude, right, that nobody could fight, nobody could beat. David shows up on the scene, little kid, young kid, and says, hey, I'll handle this. And he handles it. He takes out Goliath. Israelites have a victory again. Saul is super excited. Um, his Saul's son, Jonathan, and David become, you know, like BFFs. They got each other's back. They love each other. Saul takes David in. He takes him in, in his home, in his palace. And then 
he puts David in charge of his military men. The Bible says, you know, um, his men of war. He puts them in charge, and he sends them. Hey, go here, go here, go here. And David does it, and he handles business, and he gets things done. So the problem is that as David is doing what he's told to do, because that's what David was doing. Go to war, fight them. Okay, he went to war and fought them. Go here and fight them. He goes there and fights them. He's doing, he's doing what he's told to do, and in doing what he's told to do, he comes back, and now you have the people singing songs about him and comparing him to Saul. Verse 9 shows us that Saul is definitely not happy about this because he, eye, he said from that point forward, he has his eye on David. He's watching. He's hounding him. He's stalking him. He's stalking him. There's a couple of Facebook stalkers <laughs> watching. Not here. No, no, I'm only playing. I'm only playing. I'm maybe not. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> watching. Watching. What happens is, as Saul begins to watch and to stalk <laughs> and, and to be all, you know, to follow David, there's no doubt in my mind that the initial comparison, which was like, oh, ten, thousands, ten thousands, it leads to other things. Then it's watching him as he's watching like, man, people think he's braver than me and starts comparing bravery. Maybe they think he's more courageous than me and maybe he's got more courage than me. Maybe he's got, you know, maybe, maybe they think he's stronger than me. Maybe they think he's smarter than me with, with strategy and war strategy. See, what happens is the, the snowball had begun to tumble. The second he said, they said thousands for me and tens for him. So then everything else after that, he's smarter, he's stronger, maybe this, maybe that. He's, he's younger than me. Maybe people like looking at him more than like looking at me. You know how kings, you know, they, they want the attention, they want the spotlight. All these things happen. So what I want to do is I want to talk about several things that happen and as a result of comparison. The first thing is comparison, it will kill your contentment. Comparison will kill your contentment. Listen to me. Let, let's, 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 let's read another. Let's read some more verses. First, so let's go back. First Samuel uh, chapter 14. And this is what I was just talking about. Um, for verses 47 48, I was just mentioning this. It says, so Saul established his sovereignty over Israel. He became king. He's establishing and fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the people of Ammon, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he harassed them, and he gathered an army and attacked the Amalekites and delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. The guy is getting stuff done. He's, he's obviously making moves. Right? He had all the reason to be content in his life. This guy is the first king of Israel. That's it. There can only be one. There can only be one. He's the first king of Israel. He's victorious in battle. You know, uh, he, he, he's, he's, he's doing good for himself. He's establishing um, his, his, himself as the king of Israel um, very quickly. When problems came up and he couldn't beat Goliath, 
God sent David, and they beat the Goliath, and now he has victory over the Philistines. So now it's like he had a problem, and now he doesn't have a problem. God continues to take care of, his, um, of him and, and, and the kingdom. He has all the reason to be content. He's got this, he's got this, uh, this gangster David that, hey, you send him over there, he handles it. You send him over there, he handles it. I mean, he's got somebody now. Like, he could depend on to help expand uh, their territory, to help protect them from threats. I mean, he's got even better help. You know, the funny thing is, and, and I see this a lot, that, that sometimes people are so, so, I don't want to offend nobody here. People are so, uh, <laughs> let's just say people like themselves a lot. And what happens is when people like themselves a lot, and then even if God sends someone to help that person, the second that person starts getting more attention than me, all of a sudden I don't no longer like this person. When this person was there to help you in the first place. You know, we see this in ministry a lot. I'm not going to bash the church too much. I don't want, I don't want to do that. I want to encourage us to continue to gather and to continue to seek them as a people. But the, the, I, I say this so that we can avoid it, right? Um, what happens in ministry is that you have a leader who takes on an, a, a young men, mentee, right? And then this young mentee, God does something, something supernatural and, 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 and it expedites the learning, expedites the growth. Because guess what? There is no time schedule in growth in God. There are some people that have been sitting in seats for 20 years and have yet to reach a spiritual level of maturity that someone in maybe three, four months has. And it's because of the passion and desire to seek God personally that expands your maturity in your walk with God. Okay? Okay, listen. You, okay. 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 So what happens is here, he has all the reason to be content. And, so, and, and then we'll we get jealous at that mentee that has super exceeded us, perhaps, instead of being proud. Like, man, look at what God is doing in their life. Mm. But you know what, we're going to talk about that even more later. So, so he has all the reasons to be content, and instead, instead, all he keeps replaying is thousands, ten thousands, thousands, ten thousands. I don't like this. He's no longer happy just being the king of Israel. He's the king. He's no longer happy with this. He's no longer uh, joyful inside. Something's bothering him. So, are you guys ever guilty of this? Don't shake your head. This is, for self, this is for self-reflection. Are you guys guilty of this? Perhaps you don't even realize it, right? Perhaps you don't, you don't even realize when your joy is so all of a sudden sucked out of your life. Let me give you an example. So, let's say, uh, let's say Jamal. <laughs> Jamal goes to the car dealership, right? And he buys himself this loaded, brand new, brand new 2010. So it's not really brand new. Okay, brand new 2010 Honda Accord. And he's loving it. He gets in it, it's loaded, tinted, 
wheels, rim, I mean everything, low profile, system, navy, everything. I'm talking about the works. TVs and the headrests, I mean everything, everything. And he comes to church, and he's like, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's driving it, he's enjoying it. Everybody's like, ooh, Jamal, nice car. He's like, thank you. I know, I like it. All of a sudden, Danny pulls up. He just happened to buy a 2021 Tesla, right? Because, you know, Danny, Danny likes to, to relax when he drives. He doesn't even like to hold the wheel anymore. So what happens is he gets the Tesla, and he's relaxing, and, and the car brings him to church, right? The car brings him to church, and everybody's like, whoa, look at the Tesla. And Jamal's like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, what happened? Well, all of a sudden, Jamal, who was so happy with his 2010 Honda, I mean, he was so happy. He was joyful. He was excited. He had something new that he was happy about. He was proud for it. He was proud about it. Then he began to compare his 2010 Accord with a 21 Tesla, and all of a sudden his joy was sucked out of his body. And now he's like, man, I don't have that. Man, all I have is this little piece of junk. Same thing happens when... uh, you, you know, you have a house, you, have, you finally get a house, and you're like, oh, I got my own place. All of a sudden, you go to visit somebody, you're like, I live in a dump. <laughs> I don't want to go home ever again. Let me just stay here. And you don't appreciate what you have. Your job. You get excited because you get a, promote it, a promotion. Your coworker gets a better promotion. No longer, you're no longer happy with your promotion. Look how quickly... Look how quickly it will steal your content. You were happy until the time you began to compare. There's a stronghold. Look how easily it can affect and manipulate your feelings. You know that we're guilty of doing this in the body of Christ, and unfortunately, it's sad, it's sad, but... You know, we're happy as a, a, a children's church leader. Oh, I'm teaching children's church. Woo, I'm so excited. I get to be with the little ones and pour my life out for them and, and guide them in the ways of the Lord. All of a sudden, somebody else gets assigned, I don't know, to, to, a, to one of the deacons or elders, right? What? I've been here two years longer than this person. How dare they? I'm over here just teaching children's church. And now they get to do this and they get to do that. Listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. And again, you were just saying how happy you were to pour your life, to mold these young hearts. And now all of a sudden, that's not good enough because you've compared yourself to someone else. You're not satisfied anymore. Galatians 6.4, it says... Um, Pay careful attention to your own work. Say own. Own. Work. Work. For then you will get the uh, satisfaction. (laughs) Hold on, hold on. This this is what I need. Ah. You will get the satisfaction of a job well done. 
And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. If you're not happy doing what you're doing, it's because you're probably busy focusing on what someone else is doing. And the Word tells us to mind your business. Oh, I should have titled it that. People would have been like, mind your business, I'll watch that. Oh, now I'll tune in. No. <laughs> um, so, so what happens is the Word is telling us, mind your business. Look at what you're supposed to be doing. And if you were to do that, guess what? You're going to be happy. You're going to be content. You're going to be satisfied. But as long as you're looking at someone else's work, you won't. If you focus on what you're doing, not only will you be satisfied by doing it well, but you're not even going to want to compare yourself with someone else. Okay. Second, comparison brings pride. It brings pride. I can still imagine, um, I'm the king of Israel. I'm the king. Chest all the way out. Standing straight. I'm the king of Israel. And they're saying that he kills 10,000, 10,000, and I'm only a thousand. I've been here longer than him. Did they add it up right? Remember, remember in, in chapter 14, he went on a, on a military campaign. He's been places. He's handled things. What are you talking about? This kid show up and all of a sudden he tens of thousands. You know, there, there was some pride there. Don't, don't, don't people know? Don't you know who I am? You better ask somebody in the street. They'll tell you I'm the king. We compare ourselves to someone, we lose our content. Yet when we compare, when we compare ourselves with what someone has that we don't, we, you know, we lose our content, right? But then um, when we compare ourselves with someone that has less than what we're supposed to have, then we become prideful. Let me explain how this works. Do you guys hear that? If I compare with someone that has more, I'm no longer happy. When I compare with someone that has less than me, or I feel should have less than me, then now it's prideful will come in. Luke, 11, Luke 18, verse 11, 12, says, The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God. That I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, and adulterers. I'm certainly like, not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. So, um, obviously, you, so you know the scene. He's praying. There's a tax collector over here praying. I know. It reminds us of our, our, our Thursday night um, lesson, which was titled Stop Praying. At first, like, what? Stop praying. There was a point to that. Yeah, stop praying like this. So there's a tax collector who's praying, and there's a Pharisee praying, and this Pharisee in his praying is being filled with pride and saying, listen, God, thank you because I'm not like that guy. I'm not a sinner. I'm not a cheater. You know, I don't steal from people. Thank you. Thank you that I'm a better person. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like so-and-so. 
you know, um, this happens today, and, and, and I'm hitting a lot, of, a lot of nerves only because we can't keep allowing this to happen. So this is the only reason why I love you guys. I love everyone watching, and I care about your growth in the Lord. I care about your spiritual maturity. I care about things. So I'm going to say things that perhaps people won't talk about because, you know, it's not going to make them popular. But I have to say this because it's for your own good. And so what happens is we're guilty of doing things like this where um, I've been serving the Lord so long, 20 years. I know the word. I've been studying it longer. I've read it four times over, you know. I've been around long enough in the church to know what happens and how things are done. And then here comes this person who's on fire for God, just got saved, just realized the, 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 the chains that God broke in his or her life. It's excited. And those of us that have been in this who know it all, we say, sit down. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're saying. Let me show you how it's done. And we damage people this way. We damage people this way. We steal the passion and the joy of serving the Lord this way. We, 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 we discourage people from wanting to seek this way. And we have to be careful that we don't do things like that. We have to be careful that we don't think that we know, like I said, God could take someone today and just instantly do a, do a, like a, a download into this person. And this person can walk out of here instantly just at a whole nother level that you have yet to reach. You know, when we go around comparing ourselves with how much we know and how much others don't know, we, we begin to develop this self-righteous, religious spirit within us. Okay? You know, and, and then, and then we, we do things because of knowledge and uh, ritual and tradition and all that stuff. And a person who may be brand new to the faith says, man, I just don't... I, the person who's brand new is going to be led by God because they're just seeking God, and God is saying this, God is saying that. They don't know anything about rituals. They don't know anything about traditions. They don't, all they know is that they love God, and God says do this, and they want to do it. Here's, here's, can I, can I, you know what? All right, let me tell you something that, that bothers me. Um, we've been, and, and Philadelphia is a small city. People say it's not, it's, no, it's a big city. No, it's a, it's a small city. And, and it gets even smaller in the Christian community, right? And so it's very evident to see things like this, and it's sad. But I'm going to tell you because I don't want us to fall into this. One thing is to be proud and happy of the church family that you have. I love Lighthouse. I love my church family. I love my church family. I love getting together with my church family. Um, God is doing big things in my church family. This is great things. There's nothing wrong with that. Let me show you a different, a different language. Lighthouse. We are going to change the city. Lighthouse. God has something in store for us so that we can change the city. You. I, okay, okay. Half of you guys are getting this. Let me just say it. When churches become prideful and arrogant, 
it's, a, it, it's distasteful. It's distasteful. I was talking to somebody uh, a couple days ago, and this person said out of his mouth, and this is someone that really isn't serving the Lord right now, and, 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 and I know the Lord's tugging at his heart. He's not serving the Lord, but he said, man, I walked by this church, and I just don't feel like I could just walk in there. It's like a, you know, like the who's who, the club, like a, like, like a social club. Like, like I don't even feel like I, I belong here. I don't feel like, I, and, I, and he knows he's, he, he's, he doesn't have low self-esteem. He knows who he is. But yet, he would still feel like, I wouldn't feel welcomed here. Let me, let me clarify something. God can change our city. Do you understand this? God will change our city. God will, 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 will do the miracles. God will do the supernatural. God will do all that. And he will use whoever he pleases to do so. We can't take the credit as a church and say, this is, we are doing this. Because then we'll be a prideful and arrogant church. And let me tell you what the Bible says about pride and arrogance. In Proverbs 8, 13, it says, All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. God hates it. And it's sad. Because the church, is, it's, 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 there's no competition. There should be no competitions amongst the body of Christ. We forget that it's kingdom. Is it not about the kingdom? We should, we should, we should be trained for like, you know, like kingdom speech, kingdom talk. We, us, him, and not names, names, names. All right, all right. It got too quiet. Let's move on. Third, the, the third thing, the third thing. Um, comparison brings jealousy. Jealousy, jealousy. Hmm. There is definitely some jealousy here. We see Saul. He's jealous. He's not happy. It's obvious. We don't got to go into details about it. Um, don't act like you've never hated on somebody. <laughs> Let's just say this, okay? All right, so look. Um, I'll give you some examples because it's kind of fun. All right. Your coworker gets promoted, right? You got skipped, and we kind of mentioned that. And you go to your coworker, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> oh, congratulations. Bring it in, bring it in. And you are definitely not happy for that person. You are hating, you are jealous. You are jealous. All right, here's a good one. Your girlfriend is getting married. Another one is getting married, and another one is getting married, and you're still not married. You're like, oh, girl, I'm so happy for you that you found a husband, and you're getting married. Oh, I'm so happy for you. And you're, and you're like, you're, you're like, oh, when am I going to get married? Oh, you don't care about your friend. You're just saying, when, you know, you're thinking about yourself. Jealous. Your friends, we have a lot of home businesses in our church. And one Sunday, I'll make sure to, to, to go down the list because I believe in supporting the kingdom first, right? And so there's a lot of home businesses in, uh, within our church. You have t-shirt companies. You have the, uh, uh, 
catering companies, you have videography. I mean, we have, I mean, so much within, our, within just our church. I'm so excited. I'm, I encourage you guys that. I, I, I applaud that. Um, we support that. But speaking of home businesses, you have a home business, and, and you're kicking butt, and all of a sudden somebody else starts one, and they're kicking butt, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, why are they doing better than me? I, I, I've been doing this longer. Or, like, hey, how did they get that? How, did they, were, how were they able to do that when I wasn't able to do this? And all of a sudden we begin to compare, and we say, oh, congratulations, Taina, you're doing so good. And you walk away like, ugh, oh, so upset, so frustrated. Proverbs 14.30 says that a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like a cancer in the bones. A cancer in the bones. Now, for the home business, let's go back. I want to I clarify some things. Um, there's some principles. There's, there's some principles. If you apply these principles, and some, and, and, and some aren't, then you might see others super exceed in some areas. If we honor God first at all times, you will see God prosper your business. If you return to him what's already his, you will see God honor your business. Sometimes we, we give the business everything, and we, take, we remove God from his place. And then we wonder why we aren't doing as well as we should be doing when you're spending so much time in it. And God's saying, well, you took me out of the equation. Okay. That's just, um, that was a free nugget. Okay. Jealousy is so toxic. This is what it does. Jealousy is so toxic that it makes us resent God's goodness in someone else's life. And ignore the blessing in your own. Sometimes we're so jealous when something's happening on that we begin to resent. Oh, I can't believe, you know, this woman over here, she's got so much discernment. She's got so much discernment. And, and, and I hate that. Oh, because God's always telling her stuff and she's always figuring things out. And I'm over here last to know. And we resent people for it. When God's like, yo, I, she's got a gift of the sermon, but you've got a gift of something else. I gave you the gift of this or that. Focus on that gift. Listen, we're all going to have different gifts in the body. That's a good thing. We all need the different gifts to work together to edify the body. Okay. All right, all right, all right. So then, uh, can I talk about something real quick? So Listen. So the women were singing these songs, right? They went back, oh, Dave, uh, Saul, thousands, um, uh, Dave, uh, David, tens of thousands. In a way, I'm like, yo, why are they instigating? Why are they instigating? They know Saul's the king. I mean, come on. You know, let, let's go back. Let's take a look at it. Were these women instigating? I mean, it's just, it, I don't know. Women. Now I'm only playing, only playing. Relax. Relax. I saw, look, I saw the eyes like this through the face mask. No. <laughs> Instigating. We have to be careful who we surround ourselves with. You know, we have to be careful who we're letting 
influence us, who's talking to us, who, who's, who's saying things to us. Because, you know, it's real simple to have someone next to you. Like, let's say, um, let's say uh, Vanessa was with Jamal. When Jamal got the car, she hyping him up like, oh, that's a hot ride, hot ride. He buys the car. Danny shows up with Tesla. She's like, yo, that's not good anymore. Look at, look at Danny's Tesla. Look at Danny's Tesla. Yours, yours doesn't do that. Yours doesn't do this. Yours, and so now Vanessa is being used Being used to bring Jamal into a state of comparison. Jamal, let's say Jamal would have never even cared about the Tesla because he was happy with his until Vanessa kept egging him on. Man. See, see now what she did was she made Jamal look. And we have to be careful of those in our lives that will make us look, that will make us compare that will make us um, devalue what God has done in your life. Come on, somebody, somebody who really loves the Lord, I'm going to tell you right now, just in case you don't have friends like this. Some friends that love the Lord will look at your circumstance and say, sis, I know you're going through it, but your fridge is full, girl. Come on, like, like, like be happy about that. They'll say, listen, I know you're going through it, but guess what? At least you had a car to get you to work. You know, you can always praise God for that. You're a true friend is going to encourage you and motivate you and always point back to what you have in your life. If you got people in your life that's pointing to what you don't have, you don't need those friends. We got to be careful as parents. Listen, this is a parent no-no. This is a parent no-no. She got her headphones on, so that's why she can't hear me. I'm going to say this. <laughs> Abigail, why can't you be more like? Why can't you be more like so-and-so's daughter? Why can't you be more like your brother? Why can't you be more like this? And what happens is we tell our children, you aren't good enough the way you are. You should be like somebody else. Bur uh, uh, planting a seed of comparison in your child's life which will be a stronghold and now your child will develop and grow thinking she or he is never good enough and will always compare and compare and compare. Spouses. Hmm. And spouses, no, no. Why can't you be like so-and-so's husband? <laughs> because I'm me, that's why. No. <laughs> so, but the thing is this, we play around with it and, and we may joke around, but the thing is it does something in the in the context of seriousness. Like if you're serious, this does something, it damages things. If you tell your spouse, why can't you be like so and so? You're telling your spouse like you're not as good as this person is. And I'm the one that's supposed to be one with you. I'm supposed to be one with you. And now I'm telling you that this person is better than you and that you should be like that person. Does anybody see how damaging that could be? That, that, that births all sorts of stuff. That'll birth rage, anger, resentment. Okay. So give us the good news. How can we live without a life of comparison? How can we do it? 
Well, there's, there's simple answers. It's simple for me to say, but it takes work. So this is, this is the first thing. Let's look at Philippians 4.11. Philippians 4.11 um, to 13. And it says this. It says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned, say learned, learned. how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned, say learned, the secret of living in every situation, whether it is filled with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. The first thing we need to do if we want to live a life without comparison is understand and appreciate what you already have. We have to appreciate what you have. We have to. And the thing is, it's interesting here that we heard twice uh, Paul say learn. He had to learn some things. You know why? Because naturally, naturally, we don't, we're not satisfied people. Naturally, we're always going to want more. We want, we want better. We want bigger. I mean, if, if it's not PlayStation, it's the PlayStation 5. If you don't want PlayStation 5, you want the next one. The second one comes out, you need the next one. iPhone. The, the, you get the brand new iPhone. You finally get the new iPhone. As you, as you surrender your life to, to Satan himself with the iPhone. That's for all my Android people. Woo! Okay. So, 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 so you get the new iPhone, finally, after you, you, you sacrifice two months' worth of rent. And then, and, and you, and, and, and then, and then the, and like three months later, a new one comes out. I got to have that one instead. And you pawn your car. <laughs> so, so listen, what happens is this, what happens is we will never be satisfied, our flesh will never be satisfied. The flesh will never be satisfied. And this is why it's important that Paul says, I had to learn. I had to be intentional. We have to learn and be intentional to be satisfied with what we have, to give God glory and thanks for what he's given us, to praise him. You know what? If you're praising him every day for what you have, you don't have time to focus on what you don't. If you're giving him all the praise and glory for what he's doing in your life, you don't got time to focus on what he's not doing in your life. But it's training. You got to train yourself. It's a learned process. You know, um, Paul says he was happy with much or with little. <laughs> happy with a full belly or with an empty one. And most importantly, he realized and acknowledged that in anything he needed to be done, he could do it through Christ, who was the strength, not in anything that he had, it was Christ. It was in Christ. Before, you're comparing, before comparing yourself, I want you to wait a minute. I want you to wait a second and ask yourself, can I be happy with what I have? Am I blessed to have it? Before you look at that Tesla, say, is my car getting me to work? Praise the Lord. You know? Lastly, so we got we to recognize what we have, accept what we have, right? Lastly, we need to accept who we are. This is a big thing. Accept who you are. 
So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this. And this is the amplified version in case it sounds a little weird for some people. Um, but it says, for we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art, created in, Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand taking paths which he set so that we could walk in them living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. Okay. Let's talk about social media real quick. Social media has done some great things. Great things. I got friends all over this country. I got friends in other countries. And because of social media, I can stay in touch with them. That's amazing. I mean, with a click, I could type something and instantly my friend in Cambodia gets it. Now, he might be sleeping, but he gets it instantly. And then he gets to write back to me. And through social media, we get to stay in communication. Our friends, our family in the Caribbean, you get to stay in communication with them. Social media has done a great thing. You know, I have my marine brothers all over the country. Guess what? Social media keeps us together. Right? Great things. In social media, we stay up to date on all the current news. I say that sarcastically. But some people use it as a source of news. I'll keep praying for you. And then now in the days that we're living, social media has become a platform in which the body of Christ can continue to reach the world, continue to reach those that cannot come, to to those that are sick, those that perhaps are are being cautious. You know, we can reach them now through social media. You guys are watching on Facebook and on YouTube. So it's being used for good, right? But there's a downside to social media. And as we talk about comparison today, I don't want us to fall into this trap. Social media, what it does is it dangles comparison in your face. Like, you know you want to compare. You know you want to do it. It dangles it right in your face. It wants you to compare. It wants you to imitate. It wants you to desire something that you don't have. You see someone else's selfie. Goodness, Rachel's always happy. But Rachel took that selfie before all three boys made her pull her hair out. She she caught it just in time before they got home. Like, but you don't see the after part. You don't see the hard work. You people, you see people selfie, and you don't see that they're. Uh, that they're hurting inside or lonely or broken. You don't see any of that. You just see the smile on, on the screen. You see someone's car on Facebook like, man, on Instagram, whatever, right? Man, that car is hot. I need that in my life. Little do you know, dude's got to file for bankruptcy because he can't keep up with his car payment. He got his car parked in his driveway because he got no money for gas. So he just comes out and looks at it like, oh, I got an awesome car. And then goes and catches the scepter to get to work because he can't drive the awesome car that he has. 
You don't see that. You, don't, you see the couples that, that they take pictures, right? They take matching pictures. They go here. They take cool pictures. But you don't see the hurt and the pain in the marriage. You don't see the turmoil. You don't see the reality that pain and trouble goes to every marriage, right? You don't see that. You see these social media marriages, and you're like, oh, they never fight. That's not true. What are you talking about they never fight? They're always happy. Yeah, for the camera. For the camera, they're always happy. You know, the example we saw for that was um, there was a, a home improvement show. Remember? Like the guy, he would, uh, he, was the, he would go and buy the houses to fix up, and she was like a real estate agent, and they would uh, kind of like renovate houses together. Was it Flip It? Yeah, one of those. But, but yeah, so what happens is they were so happy, joyful. The world saw, I mean, it shocked the world. They were getting divorced. Well, why would it shock the world? I mean, you only saw what they put on camera. In this verse, we're reminded that each one of us is a masterpiece, a work of art. You know what makes you a masterpiece? You know what makes a masterpiece? It's uniqueness. You can't have a masterpiece you can't call something a masterpiece if there's a lot of it. It's not a masterpiece. It's just, oh, that's kind of cool, and there's a lot of them. There's only one Mona Lisa. There's only one, uh, what do you call it, the, 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 the ceiling, uh, the Michael, it, right? Michelangelo, 16 chapters, there's only one. We are a masterpiece, a work of art. God created you. Like, intricately, he created you specifically. The, the characters that you guys have is on purpose. Some of you are stronger than others, like more strong-willed. Some are more passive, and that's okay. Some of you are more like, no, and get upset really quick. Okay, there's a reason for that. Because see, what God wants to do is he wants to tailor that. He wants to use it for his kingdom. Because he needs people like that in the kingdom. He needs people that will get upset when they see injustice, that will get upset when things are wrong, when things rise up against the body of Christ. Right? You can't compare yourself to somebody else. Oh, this person is more uh, soft-spoken than me or this person. No, there's a reason for that. You know, we're not supposed to be like anybody else. We're supposed to be who he created us to be. How many of us are going to tired going, uh, trying to keep up with the Joneses? Y'all know what that means, right? Trying to keep up with the latest thing, the latest fad, the latest comparing yourself. Over and over. You can't live a joyful life like that. You can't. 
And then you blame God for like not having the joy that you're supposed to have. But God, I accept that you. Why, why don't I have this joy that the word talks about? Why am I not happy like your word says? Why am I? Well, uh, you're still allowing this comparison to be a stronghold in your life. And it's time that you give it up. Can you guys stand with me this, uh, this morning? I want to just ask you a couple questions. I want you guys to think about it. You know, when you compare yourself to others, you open a door. You open a door that you cannot see, but a door that can let in pride, jealousy, that will rob you of your, of your content. Saul was no longer happy. He was prideful and jealous. And ultimately, we know, we fast forward the story. He dies. Kingdom's taken away from him. And guess who becomes king next? David. Today, there are some of us that are unhappy as we stand here. There are some of us that are unhappy because guess what? Maybe things aren't going as well as we want them to go. Maybe, maybe, maybe we don't have what we want to have. We're standing here and we're unhappy. There's an emptiness that we keep trying to fill. There's an emptiness that we keep trying to, 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 try to uh, fill in our life, and yet we just can't seem to do it. We can't seem to overcome this sense of, ugh. Some of us are jealous. Some of us are filled with pride. And today, as we pray, I want to just say, listen, I just want to pray with you guys. So the altar is going to be open. I want to pray with you guys because I think that this stronghold of comparison has got to go. It's got to go. You, you know, everyone should be able to walk into this place and not feel like they are being compared to anyone else. Not feel that their spiritual lives are being compared to someone else's. Not feel like they have to go out and do other things just to fit in because of someone else. I want us to be free in Christ. I want us to be free in our walk with God. I want us to be free as we stand here, as we gather today, as we come together. This is, this is our family. This is our family. Look around. Actually, look around. Look around. Look around. Go ahead. No, look around. Look around. Look at each other. Look at each other. Look at each other. This is family. This is family. And we should never encounter those things here. And wherever we go, we should lead by example. Yo, you know what? You got to give them the spiritual backhand. When someone starts to make you compare, yo, did you see something? Stop it. I am satisfied and thrilled with what I have. I don't need to be like so-and-so. Because I am a masterpiece. I'm a work of art. There's none like me. I'm the only one unique and special. Sometimes we don't feel unique and special. Sometimes we don't feel like a work of art. But I'm going to tell you right now that, that those are lies of Satan. The enemy will lie to you to kind of rob you of that truth. 
that you are a work of art, that you are special and unique, sons and daughters of a king, a king making, making me royalty? Does that make you royalty? Okay. I could go with that. It's time to recognize what we have. It's time to understand who we are. So today, I want, I'm going to start praying. As I'm praying, I'm also going to be open. I just want to pray with whoever feels that they want to just, listen, I, I've, I've been struggling with this. Sometimes I do compare, or sometimes I'm compared to someone else, and it hurts. You can, I, want, I want to pray with you. Sometimes, you know, um, we don't understand this unhappiness that we have around us because we're so busy of looking what we don't have instead of appreciating what we do have. I want to pray with you. I want today for you to walk out of here free from that bondage of comparison. So please, forget about everybody else in the room. And as I'm praying, I want to welcome you up to the front because I want to pray with you. The altar's open. Father God, right now, we come before you, Lord. Lord, I want you to touch the hearts of those that are listening, those that are watching, those that are here today, Father God. Lord, you have you desire to remove in them, Lord Jesus, this stronghold that has taken over their life. Father God, there are many that are standing right here today that the enemy has lied to, and they don't feel like a masterpiece. They don't feel like a work of art. They don't feel like you created them specifically and uniquely, Lord. I want to pray with you today. I want to pray with you today because that is a lie. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And I thank you, Lord, that, that you've spoken, spoken to us today. As we continue to tear down this stronghold, Lord, that wants to keep us bound. Father God, right now we pray for those that have not made a commitment to you yet, Lord. If you're watching, if you haven't accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to say that today, there's no better day than today. Today will be the day that you can meet the one who created you, who made you the masterpiece. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. In Jesus' name, amen.